People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. So, after another round of games are done, we're already looking ahead to game week 7 of the Premier League. There are plenty of interesting fixtures to analyse, and joining me again is Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. Hello, Jake. Hi, Ben. Yeah, looking forward to another good week. Got some really good games once again, so uh, yeah, let's get stuck in. Yeah, as always, we'll jump straight into it. First up, we've got Sheffield United versus Liverpool. Sheffield United, they got another great result at the weekend, albeit it was quite a fortunate one. They beat Everton 2-0. I think they only had two shots, one on target. They obviously had an own goal in there as well. They did give up 1.5 XG to an Everton side who they've struggled quite a lot this season. Now, this week they host another Merseyside team and it's top of the table, Liverpool. They maintained their 100% start and it was another close game for them and it seems that it's just their superior finishing that's getting them over the line in some of these games. So... Are Sheffield United the team that can break that 100% record or is there any value here? Um, I, w- I won't go as far as saying they could break the record. Um, they'll definitely give Liverpool a really tough game, uh, as we, we said about the start of the season. Sheffield United won't be any mugs this season and, and they've proved exactly that. Obviously, going to Everton and winning in what was a really bizarre game, like you mentioned, they only had two shots against uh, Everton and managed to sc- score twice, obviously through the own goal. Um, while allowing Everton to create a few good opportunities. So a little bit fortunate to get that win. And they return back to Bramall Lane, where they've lost the last two home uh, Premier League games. So they'll be looking to put uh, on a performance in front of the home fans, something they, they haven't done um, in the last two home games. As for Liverpool, you mentioned already that extremely clinical once again. Very fortunate to get a win away at Chelsea, uh, according to expected goals. 1.08 created for Liverpool, which is one of the lowest totals of the season, if not the lowest. Obviously, against probably the best opponent they've faced so far, so that, that take that into consideration. Going forward, they continue to create good chances, though, on, uh, on average, they're about 1.92 throughout the season, so they'll create chances against the Sheffield United side. Uh, we're giving them a 67% chance of going seven from seven, which would be some feat, really, and, and to maintain this pace and keep it comfortable gap to Manchester City would be uh, would be crucial obviously having seen what happened last season when they had such a big gap around Christmas um, in terms of value in this game though we're looking elsewhere from the 1x2 market and we're looking in both teams to score um, in particular both teams to score no which is around a 54% chance so there's a small amount of value in that one purely based on on the fact that we think Sheffield United will be trying to keep things tight they might not uh, offer too much going forward and Liverpool's stubborn defence is likely to show up once again. Yeah, I think there was worries at the start of the season with Liverpool's defence, but now it seems that, that Adrian's doing a good job, and you have to wonder, once um, Alisson comes back in, they're going to be even stronger, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Adrian pulled off one of the uh, key saves on Sunday as well against Tammy Abraham from that one-on-one, which would have levelled things up. So, you know, he's definitely pulling his weight. It's taken him a while to um, to make a bit of an impact on the team, but for the time being, he looks he looks like he's, he's doing a fairly good job, yeah. So on to Aston Villa versus Burnley. Now, Villa, they, they struggled at the start of the season, but then they got that 0-0 draw against West Ham, and it looked like it, it potentially wasn't so much doom and gloom. They then went and scored two against Arsenal, which 
I'm sure we'll get on, on, on to Arsenal later, but I, I don't think that means too much this season. But they, they gave up a bucket load of chances and they lost 3-2 to against a team that had 10 men for, for most of the game. Burnley have been a little bit up and down this season. The win against Norwich was, was definitely an up. They were they more than deserved those three points. Now, it seems with Burnley, they've got this newfound attacking strength. So do you think they're going to cause Villa problems? For sure, yes. I think any team that plays Aston Villa will cause Villa problems this season. They, they just look so poor defensively. You mentioned it already. Somehow they were 2-1 up away at Arsenal against 10 men um, and managed to lose the game 3-2. You know, at the very least, you, you want to hold on for a draw. But they're just so open defensively and they're conceding too many good chances. Um, they're aver- averaging 1.87 expected goals against per game, which uh, is one of the highest in the division. And it's something they really need to improve on or, or risk a really tough season, conceding goals left and right and ultimately getting relegated. Um, as for Burnley, as you mentioned, they've been really a little bit hot and cold. They started off with a win, um, and this win against Norwich last week was the first victory since the opening day win. So, uh, very hot and cold. Two wins, two draws, and two defeats. But interestingly, the two defeats have come against uh, Arsenal and Liverpool, two of last season's top six. So you take those games out, and they're they're unbeaten against teams that are expected to be in and around them. The victory against Norwich was an impressive one: two point one one expected goals. Very comfortable 2-0 win against a, an Norwich team that had just beaten Manchester City, so no mugs. Um, and heading into this game, the Infocom model really fancies Burnley to get the win. Market's 40% chance on Aston Villa. Infocom doesn't see Villa as favourites in this one, giving Burnley a 37% chance of getting the win. Um, so the 32% that is, that is available represent, represents a good bit of value. Yeah, as you said, pinnacle on 31-32% for Burnley and around about 28% for the draw. The over-under is a, a relatively low 2.5 goals with the market seem to be favouring the under. And you have to think if if Aston Villa put up defensive performances like they have already this season, that you could see that heading towards the over. Definitely definitely could be the case. Um, but we've seen two of their recent home matches against, like you mentioned, the West Ham game and, and the game against Everton, where they were a little bit tighter in front of their own fans, but still conceded a few good chances. And now on to Bournemouth versus West Ham, and I think this one has has the potential to be quite a good game. Bournemouth, they've looked good in terms of their actual results, but they are giving away chances at the back. It was another game against Southampton. It was kind of in excess of 2.5 xG, I think, their opponents managed, but the result was actually a 3-1 win to Bournemouth. Um, with West Ham, I know you were kind of big on their attacking process a few games ago, and we haven't really seen much of that in the last couple of games, and the results have really come from success at the other end of the other end of the pitch. They haven't conceded in four games in all in all competitions now. I'm going to preempt it here. I know that that was a bit fortunate. You think of the United game, Mata missed a great chance. Maguire obviously missed a good chance. It seems with this one that if West Ham's attacking players turn up, we could see an absolute goal fest. So does Infogol think the same? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'll start off with that. Obviously. Over two and a half goals, we're giving around a 68% chance, which is huge. And I think offers a little bit of value compared to the market. I think the market's around 66%. But as you mentioned, Bournemouth have been pretty fortunate so far this season. Uh, with the results that they've collected anyway, they're creating good chances. Don't get me wrong, 1.43 expected goals for. But defensively, they've looked really vulnerable um, on a consistent basis, allowing over two expected goals against. So they've, they've been very fortunate and it, it, you know, it won't be, it won't, it's not too far down the line to think that that the results will start regressing to performances 
um, that Bournemouth deserve, really. Clinical finishing has been helping him the last few weeks. Uh, 3-1 wins against Everton and Southampton. Callum Wilson has been in fine form. He's netted a, f- uh, a few in, in each game. So they're good side Bournemouth, especially going forward, but they do have um, huge vulnerabilities in defence. And that's exactly the same for West Ham. I know you alluded to it there that defensively West Ham's process has been fairly impressive, fairly good uh, over the last few weeks. Four clean sheets in all competitions. But a closer look at the XGA that they've allowed in those games. You look, you look 1.22 against United, 1.4 against Villa, 1.3 against Norwich. So they're allowing chances on a regular basis and have been fortunate to keep three clean sheets in the last three Premier League games. Uh, the 2-0 win against Manchester United was hugely flattering. Um, I'm sure you won't be happy to hear that, Ben, but for a West Ham team to create 0.49 expected goals at home and manage to score two goals from low-probability chances, win the game 2-0, um, that was a very fortunate result and it was the most unfair result, according to InfoGoal's fairness ratings. If they continue the way they're going, West Ham, in the last two games, especially against Villa and United, then this good run of form is, is going to come to an end sooner rather than later. I've mentioned Bournemouth's poor defensive process. West Ham's isn't much better. Uh, they're allowing 1.94 expected goals against per game this season. So here we've got two teams that have the potential to be really strong in attack, as they've shown uh, throughout the season so far. But also two teams that are very, very vulnerable and susceptible in defence. So, as I've mentioned already, goals is definitely on the cards here. 68% chance of over two and a half, 68% chance of both teams to score. The Infocom model's actually siding with Bournemouth to get the win in this one. We think there's a small amount, uh, actually quite a big amount of value in, in backing the Cherries to make it three wins in a row and two home wins, uh, three home wins in a row. We're giving them around a 47% chance of getting the win. So, we're, we're siding with, with Bournemouth in, in what we're expecting to be a high scoring game. So we got Chelsea versus Brighton next, and I think people thought Chelsea were going to struggle against Liverpool this weekend. And I think you said on last week's preview, you said that that perhaps Lampard has the ability to to change things up and play a different style and shore things up at the back. And I think we saw glimpses. You already said that they limited Liverpool to their their lowest xG total of the of the season, but they still did concede a, a couple of decent chances, and it's. I mean, it's not too bad considering what we've seen before. And as as we have seen, they look strong in attack again, which which seems to be an emerging theme for them this season. The, their opponents, Brighton, the, the game against Newcastle, I mean, it was an interesting one. It wasn't a great spectacle. There was quite a lot of low-quality chances. And after starting strong, Bournemouth seemed to be falling back to around the league average, mid-to-lower, mid-table team. Do you think this is the game where Chelsea get their first clean sheet under Lampard? Is there any value here? It could well be, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Chelsea's main asset this season has been going forward, averaging 1.86 expected goals for. So they're likely to get the win in this game uh, and create good chances yet again. Obviously, defensively, you mentioned they've got some serious issues. They're allowing plenty of good chances on a regular basis, although they, they were impressive against Liverpool. I, I, I've got to say, I was impressed with Chelsea against Liverpool, but it was a game where you just thought it, the longer it went on, the harder it was going to get for Chelsea to score. And, and Liverpool always felt like they were in control. As for Brighton, the draw against Newcastle was, like you said, far from the entertaining Saturday night game that we're used to. But the underlying numbers have been really impressive at the start of the season. They're averaging 1.47 expected goals for, while allowing just 1.14 against, which is 
that of a, a you know a top half team. Interestingly, they come into this game and they're ranked as the fourth best team on expected goals uh, this season in the Premier League, one place above Chelsea. So don't expect this to be a walk in the park for Chelsea. And Brighton have all the capabilities to cause them some serious problems here. There's a small amount of value in backing against Chelsea, actually. Um, Infocore models looking at 59% chance of a Chelsea win compared to around 67, 68 on the market. So if you wanted to oppose Chelsea, that would represent value. Instead, we're looking at voting to score no, as you mentioned, that elusive clean sheet for Chelsea. Um, it could well happen in this game. As, as, as you, you mentioned, I spoke about last week, Frank Lampard's ability to adapt and get his team to adapt. And I think that'll be something similar here. I think we'll see a tight and cagey game. Um, as Graham Potter does exactly the same for Brighton. He tinkers with his team from week to week. We're around a 55% chance of, back, of both teams to score no, uh, which represents a small amount of value given what's on offer. I think it's about 50-51%. So now we've got Crystal Palace versus Norwich, and these are two teams that they've had a bit of a mixed bag this season. Palace, they beat Manchester United away. Norwich, they've obviously beaten Man City at home, and then both of them have struggled in games, perhaps where they'd expected to get more out of it. Palace nearly got that win against Wolves, but I think the the point was probably a fair result. While Norwich, I mean, they barely turned up against Burnley. So they're two teams that have been a little bit difficult to work out this season. What does the info goal make of them and this matchup? It's an interesting game, this one. Um, obviously, you look at the table and they're both sat lower half the table. So, you know, it's, it's a big game for both teams. They both need a win. Um, obviously, before the season started, uh, Norwich were relegation and one of the favourites for relegation, and Crystal Palace weren't far behind them, given what was going on with the uh, Wilfred Zahar saga. So in, on paper, this is a really big game for the pair um, to try and prove that their credentials uh, in terms of staying in the league. You mentioned the Crystal Palace draw with Wolves. It was a game they struggled to create good chances, um, and ultimately Wolves' pressure paid off. Couldn't expect the goals. Palace were even perhaps fortunate to get a point. Uh, allowing 1.84 expected goals. But this is a, a good Wolves team, despite what the um, actual table says at this moment in time. As for Norwich, he mentioned that they were really, really poor, actually, against Burnley, especially coming off the huge high of, uh, of beating Manchester City to go to Burnley. And, and they, they really just rolled over uh, and, and suffered a comfortable defeat, once again, allowing really good chances. And their expected goals against average is now above two expected goals. So unless they improve that average and, and bring that down, they're going to find it really difficult to stay in the league this season. Uh, we, you know, everyone's seen what Norwich is capable of in attack. The likes of Pukki and Campwell, they're, they're very lively going forward. But so are Crystal Palace. You know, they shouldn't be underestimated going forward. The likes of Jordan Ayew, Wilfred Zahar, Christian Benteke, they, they'll, they'll create chances. Um, that's where Infocol's looking in this game. We, we think there's value in the 1x2 in backing Crystal Palace to get um, a, a second home win of the season. And now we've got Tottenham versus Southampton. Um, this one, there's there's got to be some alarm bells ringing for Tottenham. Now, granted, they didn't deserve to lose against Leicester. I don't think it's it's not terrible, but I mean, they're, they're definitely not the same team that they were last season. I mean, there's questions about mentality or internal internal issues. I don't know what it is, but you feel like they need to kind of sort things out and pretty quickly. They've got Southampton and with them, it seems to be a case of same old, same old. They're just, they're not getting the results that their performances seemingly deserve. Now, I know we can say they've been unlucky, but how often can that rumble on without it becoming a cause for concern? 
Is there any offer? Is there any value on offer in this one? Do you think? For sure, yeah. Um, we've got quite a bit of value in terms of the one X two. Just simply opposing Tottenham again. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I think their start to the season they've been really, really poor. They've been exceptionally bad actually compared to the high standards that they've set in the recent uh, recent seasons. And Infogol's given them only a 53% chance of winning this game compared to around 69-70% on offer. So, you, you know, Infogol's saying that there's around a 17% swing there, which represents good value. So I wouldn't put anyone off back in against Tottenham, especially given their underlying process so far this season. They've really struggled in attack. They've managed just 1.46 expected goals for. And on the face of it, that is pretty good. It's like we mentioned already, Brighton were at 1.47. So, you know, talking about a top six contender here and and they're really struggling going forward. And defensively, they're even worse. 1.53 expected goals against per game. So game to game, Tottenham are actually negative expected goal difference. And you're not going to win many football matches playing like that. Defend, like I've said, defensively, they, they look really, really vulnerable. Leicester took full advantage. Obviously, they had the, the goal ruled out for VAR, the Spurs, which ultimately swung the, the tide of the game. But even up to that point, I really wasn't impressed with Spurs as an attacking force. Um, caveat that, it, it was away at Leicester, and Leicester are obviously a top six contender themselves. But still, with the players that they had on the pitch, you expect much more from Pochettino's side. You've mentioned Southampton's misfortune already. I mean, the, the game against Bournemouth, it was pretty much a spitting image of the home game against Liverpool, which they also lost, where Saints created over 2.6 expected goals on both occasions and allowed less than 1.5 and still managed to find themselves on the on the wrong side of the scoreline. Between both defeats, though, they, they picked up seven points, um, including a fortunate win against Sheffield United and a fortunate draw against United Manchester United. So it, it has evened itself out in that short space of time. But still, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Southampton side. Obviously, there's question marks about them defensively. Uh, they're allowing plenty of good chances, but there is such a potent attacking threat, averaging 1.8 expected goals four per game, that I'm pretty sure that they'll cause Tottenham serious problems here with the pace on the counter-attack. Infogol's look, like I mentioned, there's no value in the 1x2 um, unless you're looking at Lane Tottenham or Southampton double chance, which I think is a, a solid bet. But the, the better value for, from an Infogol perspective is is to play a little bit safer and just back both teams to score. We're around a 55% chance of that happening compared to around 52-53. So there's a small amount of value there, um, but I think that's a safer play in this one. Yeah, I mean, 17%, that's got to be one of the biggest swings we've potentially had so far this season with info goal against the odds. And Southampton hovering around kind of 11%, the draw around 20%. So as you said, whether it's draw no bet or a, a double chance whatever whatever you're taking that could be could be an interesting one that one I think absolutely yeah um, it, like I've said there's just nothing that I've seen that I've, that's really got me off my seat with Tottenham even the 4-0 win against Crystal Palace we spoke about last week being you know a fortunate and a flattering win so there's every chance Southampton can go there and, and cause some serious problems to Spurs so now we've got Wolves versus Watford and I'm I'm not going to say this is a cliched relegation six-pointer but both these sides they do need to get a win on the board Wolves you kind of touched upon it already I don't they haven't been as bad as perhaps the results have suggested you highlighted at the very start of the season the potential impact of the Europa League and maybe we're seeing that play its part Watford meanwhile they seem to be kind of stuttering towards a start they did all right against Arsenal but then they just got absolutely demolished by Manchester City that game I think we were saying oh 
it could be five or more, but it was it was five nil inside twenty minutes. Um, so, which of these two teams do you think Info does Info goal think is going to get the win? Most definitely Wolves. Um, like you you just said there, the underlying numbers that Wolves have been posting haven't been as bad as as results would suggest. And although they sit nineteenth in the table, according to expected goals, it should be around twelfth. So. Given that they've had a, a tough start to the season in terms of fixtures as well, playing Leicester, Manchester United, Everton, Chelsea um, in the first six games, their online process has actually been relatively good. Um, obviously, there's still improvements needed, mainly defensively, um, where they're averaging 1.49 expected goals against per game. But going forward, they're creating enough to win games. Um, and they have the players, obviously, with, with Jota, Jimenez and, and now Catroni added to the mix to create good chances. And I'm expecting them to do just that in this game against a Watford team that were just simply embarrassed by Manchester City last week. I mean, eight, to lose 8-0 in a Premier League match is, is incredible. It was nearly the highest ever highest ever uh, scoreline, biggest ever scoreline in Premier League history. Obviously, that was the 9-0 that Manchester United managed. But they were literally, like you mentioned, two, 20 minutes 5-0 down. And Manchester City were fully deserved of, of winning by such a big market margin. You know, Watford conceded 6.14 expected goals in that one game, which is the highest I've ever seen since working at InfoGoal. Um, it's like that is just an extraordinary amount. And if you looked at the the shot map from the game, you could barely see a blade of grass within the 18-yard box. It was just Manchester City peppering Watford. And Watford, I don't know what happened to them. Obviously, they put in a really spirited display against Arsenal to to come from two 0 down in that one and get a, and get a point. And then they just went to Manchester City and just it looked like they just weren't bothered, especially you know five nil down at half time, and, and then he's still going to lose the second half three nil. So Kike Sanchez Flores, although he's only just been appointed, is under some serious pressure already, which you know every, every manager at Watford's under pressure given how quickly the owners hire and fire. So he really does need a result, especially given Watford haven't haven't yet won in the Premier League this season. Their defensive process obviously including the six expected goals in Manchester City is extra- extraordinarily high. You're looking at 2.37. Um, they just they, they look a really weak defensive unit right now. Infocol's value is massively on Wolves. Uh, the Wolves are about 50% on the market and Infocol's looking at around 58%. So they've got an 8% um, swing there and, um, and that represents good value. And, and like you said, it is one of the, these two teams need wins. They need to get off the mark. And Infocol thinks that it'll be Wolves that do that first in this game um, and pile even more pressure on Kiki Sanchez-Flores. Yeah, and perhaps it's the fact that both of them need the win that maybe the market's anticipating a, a close cagey game because you've got the, the total goals mark at 2.5 and, I mean, the market's trending towards the under. So maybe a narrow win for Wolves could be the one here. And now we've got Everton versus Manchester City. And I, I think if you're Everton, you've really got to be worried about what's to come after watching Man City at the weekend. That They've got so much attacking attacking talent. They're always going to create chances. And more often than not, they, they tend to put it away. The, the figure of 6 plus XG, I think you mentioned in the game against Watford, that's more in one game than the likes of Leicester, Newcastle, Aston Villa have managed in all six games this season. Um with Everton, I think we said it last week, and I'll say it again, that they've been majorly disappointing. They seem to have been a bit fortunate in the games that they've won, and then unlucky in the games that they've lost, which is a bit of a kind of 
weird mix to have and it's just there's been no real dominating performances now I don't think we're going to see the domination that Man City had over Watford last week but you've got to think as well Man City are missing a few key defenders is there something there for Everton how does InfoGoal view this one yeah there could well be something there for it for Everton in this game like you mentioned City are, are a little bit light on the ground uh, when it comes to defence but yeah, Everton are a funny case at the moment, aren't they? I mean, strong favourites at home to Sheffield United at the weekend. And they put in a, an OK performance in terms of XG, but they, they really struggled to create big chances um, in that game. But, and although they were unfortunate to lose, did they really deserve the win? Um, I don't know. Obviously, look at the base XG numbers and, and you'd say yes, but low probability chances rarely win your games, um, especially if you're creating them on uh, you know on a regular basis you look at Manchester City and they, and they create big chance after big chance every single game so that's something Everton really need to improve on um, going forward they've not been bad this season 1.39 expected goals for puts them about in the middle of the pack in the Premier League um, and defensively 1.2 expected goals against again puts them around middle of the pack so they're performing like a mid-table team not a team that you'd expect to be pushing to break into the top six um, and as you mentioned, they come up against uh, what is simply just a juggernaut in Manchester City. I mean, averaging 3.39 expected goals for in, in six Premier League games, which is extraordinary, really. Um, and as, as I mentioned, they create big chance after big chance. They created up just the seven big chances against Watford last week. Um, and Everton will be hoping to avoid a, you know, a similar performance. 1.07 XGA Manchester City are averaging, which which again is is pretty solid, given uh, the amount of goals that they've actually actually conceded. Uh, expected goals suggest that they've been a little bit fortunate to concede as many as they have, but it looks as though the the quick fix of Fernandinho dropping into centre half alongside Otamendi, um, especially with John Stones out injured, looks to have done the trick. And they played Shakhtar and Watford last week, kept two clean sheets and scored 11 goals. So. Something's going right there. Um, and as I mentioned last week, um, all Pep Guardiola will have been doing in the build-up to that Watford game was just finding a way not to concede goals. Um, and clearly I was wrong because he was finding a way of how to score loads of them. So, um, you know, you, you know what you're going to get with Manchester City. They, they're going to be entertaining to watch. They're going to create loads of big chances. They're going li- to try and do the best to limit you. Um, and it's just a matter of how many... Manchester City win by um, even in this game like Everton will raise the game they, they do it regularly against the big teams obviously you think to back end of last season they beat Chelsea at home they beat Manchester United at home um, so they, they are capable of matching the big teams but I think this is probably a bridge too far for Marco Silva's side and he's another manager that's coming under increased pressure obviously the expectations and the money spent over the last few years has put him you know, in in the firing line, really, if if the results continue going the way they are. Um, in terms of one x two, Infogol isn't as strong on Manchester City as the bookmakers are, just purely based on the fact that that we rate Everton as our, probably the seventh best team in the league, and obviously with home advantage, we're you know we're even it's out a little bit, and we're sixty two percent chance of a City win. And instead, we're looking at both teams to score. We think Everton have got enough to cause City problems and get on the score sheet in front of their own fans. Um, around a 53% chance of that happening, which I think is priced up about right compared to the market. Um, but again, expect an entertaining game and for City to score plenty. 
Yeah, no surprises to see the market big on City. And I think if Everton being tipped as a top six contender at the start of the season, if you'd have said the market would be giving them 10% chance of a win in one game, I mean, it's, it's testament to City's City's quality. And uh, the over-under, again, as you said, expecting goals at 3 and 3.5 and, and over taking quite a bit of money at the moment. And now we've got Leicester City versus Newcastle. Now, Leicester have been, they've been quite impressive this season. It's, and their success has really been built on their defence. I think it's actually the second best defence based on underlying numbers. Now, although that's a positive, the flip side of that will probably be that their attack hasn't been what many would have expected. I mentioned there that, that City put up over six expected goals against Watford and, and Leicester have barely managed that in, in six games this season. So... Out of those that are tipped to break into the top six, Leicester probably look like the biggest contender, but I think they're going to need a game where they really kind of show off what they can do up front. So they head into a game against Newcastle where it gives them a great opportunity to do that. And Newcastle have been pretty difficult to work out this season. They were they were all about the solid defence under Rafa Benitez. The early signs this year was that they were going to try and utilise that attacking talent, but that seems to have dropped off as well there. They're not kind of putting much in terms of their attacking process and it seems like they're kind of still trying to figure themselves out under Steve Bruce so do you think we'll see Leicester continue their good start? I think so yeah um, one thing I would say that I think this is arguably one of the biggest tests for Brendan Rodgers' side so far this season because they're in Newcastle they're going to have a team that's just going to turn up to the king power park the bus um, and try and defend whereas in all the other games so far this season I mean you can talk Chelsea away, Chelsea open up, have a go, Sheffield United away, Sheffield United open up and have a go, Bournemouth they'll always have a go, same with Manchester United and Spurs, so the teams that they've played so far, barring Wolves in the opening opening day who were happy to sit in, the, the teams that they've played so far have, have almost tried to, almost gone toe-to-toe with Leicester, which has suited what they've tried to do, it's meant that when they get good possession of the ball, they can create good chances um, and in that case they've been extremely clinical so I think this is a big test for for Leicester um, in terms of, like you said, showing off what they can do and really putting a weak team to the sword, which is what Newcastle are. Newcastle are ranked as the worst team in the league on expected goals so far this season. They sit bottom of Infogol's XG table. And the process is is that of a relegation candidate. Um, They're averaging just 0.5 expected goals for, while conceding 1.64 expected goals against. So something really has to turn around if they are to to you know, pull themselves, drag themselves out of the mire. But I will point out they they've had a tough schedule. Obviously, they played Arsenal, Spurs, they played Liverpool. So you know they've got three of the big teams out of the way there. Um, and now is the time where they really need to pick up points. I'm sure Steve Bruce will have earmarked the, the Brighton game at the weekend as a game to you know to get a second win of the season. That didn't quite happen. But they've shown enough defensively anyway to to suggest that they can. You know they can call they can really frustrate Leicester in this game, um, and that's where we're looking. There's there's little value in the one x two market. We've got Leicester at fifty eight percent compared to around sixty three on the on, on on the market. So Leicester's still strong favourites. We agree they should be strong favourites, but not as strong as as what they are priced up at. And instead we're looking at the under two point five goals, which we have around a fifty eight percent chance. So similar to what's what, what what's available on the market, maybe a small amount of value, but a tight game um, in which Leicester could like could well get frustrated and then and then ease the frustration with a late goal. Yeah, as you said, it's probably a bit of a mismatch, but sometimes those are the games that 
the the superior team tends to struggle because it's just a case of do they have that quality to to break down a defense over 90 minutes i guess so our, our last game of the weekend is or the game week should i say is manchester united versus arsenal and this one is being billed as el sacchio i think isn't it and Although Arsenal, they sit above Manchester United in the table. I think Arsenal are fourth and Manchester United are eighth. I'd probably be more concerned if I was an Arsenal fan than a Manchester United one. I say fan because I don't think, despite what's being said, I don't think either manager should be too concerned about job safety at the moment. We joked about it last week, but Arsenal were just, they're so bad at the back. And the, the game against Villa only highlighted those inadequacies even more. Um, I guess fortunately for them, they're coming up against a Manchester United team who have they've stagnated in attack. They're they're really struggling to kind of pose any kind of threat going forward, and it's really their their defensive prowess that has has been the success. Should I say this season? It's a a couple of penalties have helped them, and as I said, I think their defense is up there with the best in the league now. Although by the expected points metric they should be sitting in the top four, those performances seem pretty unsustainable when you're relying on penalties and things like that. They've they've not got Rush Rashford now. I think he's got a groin issue. Don't know how long he's out for. But then Anthony Martial isn't fit. I know Mason Greenwood's got an illness. I would say that surely Arsenal are going to concede again, but it's going to be it's going to be difficult for United to score without a striker on the pitch. So. How does InfoGoal kind of dissect this one? Yeah, it's going to be a tight game, this one, I think. Um, tight in terms of scoreline, not in terms of, um, of the actual goals being scored, as you've alluded to, Arsenal just giving them away at the moment. Um, Manchester United, they got so much stick at the weekend for the performance against West Ham, and I actually didn't think they were that bad. Um, you know, West Ham got lauded for the 2-0 win. I mean, it was a tight game. There was not much between the sides. It wasn't a 2-0 game, but I, didn't, I think there was, there was a huge overreaction in terms of uh, Manchester United's performance. I mean, you, you alluded to it before when we were talking about the West Ham game, uh, that Juan Mata had a huge chance to equalise. Um, you know, just after half-time, he had 51% chance of scoring. Then Maguire had a 30% chance of scoring from his chance. So if they put one of those away, it could have been a completely different game and a different narrative. So, um, you know, that, Watch it on Sky Sports. You've got people like Gary Neville and Roy Keane, and they're jumping on the back of uh, of Manchester United. But I actually didn't think the performance was that bad. It, it wasn't good. I'm not saying it was it was good, and they deserve credit for it. But it just seems like everyone's overreacted massively to a two 0 defeat in which the performance wasn't bad. Like there's obviously loads to improve on, uh, both in attack and arguably defence, conceding two goals from low probability chances. But I'm still. I've, I've not seen anything from Manchester United that, that's going to put me off backing them. Um, you mentioned the fact that they've got injury issues. Um, I saw a picture today of Paul Pogba. Looks like he's going to be back for this game. Um, Martial could well be back as well. I think they were expected around the same time. So that would that would tick off a few of the a few of their issues. And, and you looked at the bench at the weekend. I mean, Ashley Young. Uh, sorry, Ashley Young. Jesse Lingard was on the bench to start the game, so he would just naturally should would just come in anyway. Um, Obviously, Marshall Rashford will be a straight swap. You are right to say that we need more from them in attack. Um, I mean, they've averaged 1.69 expected goals for per game, but that's including penalties. Take penalties out, and I think that drops to around 1.2. So we do need to see a lot more from them going forward. But as you mentioned, defensively, they've been really, they've been really impressive. Um, whatever Oligan Solskjaer has been working on, been doing, 
it could be the impact of Harry Maguire perhaps and Wan Bissaka. But they've got the best defensive process in the league, which might be a surprise to many. They're allowing just 0.74 expected goals against. So, you know, Arsenal are renowned for their attacking prowess, but if there's any team that can keep them quiet right now, it's, it's going to be Manchester United. Uh, we'll move on to Arsenal because they're the gifts that keep on giving. Uh, home game against Aston Villa. You know, you can see two goals to Aston Villa, 1.83 expected goals. I mean, usually when you can see two goals to a, a lesser team, it's usually two pot shots or low, low probability chances. But Villa were creating big chances at will for most of the game. Um, obviously, Arsenal's attack bailed them out once again. You know, they deserved the win in the end. 2.9 expected goals. And, and you're looking at people like Aubameyang, who keeps getting them out of trouble and, and ultimately saving Unai Emery. In this game, you know, that, like I've mentioned, Manchester United are the best defensive team in the league. Whether Arsenal have as much joy going forward, they've hit two goals um, in five of the last six games in all competitions. I can't see them scoring twice at Old Trafford against this um, this United defence. And in fact, their underlying attacking process is 1.55 expected goals for, which is around about mid-table. So in terms of their actual process, it's been poor. Defensively, 1.98 expected goals against per game, which is third or fourth worst in the league. So, like I've said, if there's any team that can keep Arsenal quiet, it's going to be Manchester United. And if there's any team that Manchester United are going to create plenty against, it's going to be Arsenal. So, I think, for me anyway, I, I've got no qualms in backing Manchester United to win this game. The Infocol model completely agrees. Um Infocol rates Manchester United as a much better team than Arsenal um, in terms of expected goals and underlying process. Um, Man United are available around 41% on the market. Infocol's got them priced up at around 52%, so odds on, which obviously represents a huge deal of value. Um, obviously, this is a Monday night game. It's a televised game. It's going to be, you know, it's in the spotlight. It's going to be a really fantastic encounter. Um, as I've said, I wouldn't be surprised to see it being a low-scoring one, though. Um, with the Manchester United edging proceedings and getting a valuable three points. Yeah, I think both the the one x two market and the over under seem to be potentially overreacting to the games that we saw at the weekend. It's when you kind of consider United's defensive strength to see a, a total goals mark at three is quite strange. And and as you rightly said, United forty two percent chance given by the market, whereas potentially if they can shut Arsenal out, we'll have to see what happens. Well, there we go. There's our there's our, another 10 games that are down. The season seems to be flying by, but we have got another 310 games to go, I think it is. Um, as always, Jake, your, your time and your thoughts are much appreciated. So thanks for coming on and, and sharing some great insights from the InfoGo model. You're very welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed it again. And let's hope for some winners this weekend. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you want more information from InfoGoal, then visit infogold.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter, or download the app on iTunes and Android. All of the odds for this weekend's Premier League fixtures are available on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets, and remember, please gamble responsibly.